Welcome back to Letters to Women, a podcast where we explore and embrace the feminine genius in our daily lives as Catholic women. When I was experiencing secondary infertility after losing our son to miscarriage, there was one line at every Catholic wedding that would leave me feeling empty and broken. Be fruitful and multiply. It felt like a knife twisting in my heart, and it left me wondering if my infertility meant that my marriage couldn't be fruitful, that I couldn't be fruitful. If you've felt that sting that comes when hearing those words as a woman experiencing infertility, you're going to love this conversation that I had with Mary Bruno about why God allows infertility in some of our stories, but still calls us, all of us, to bear fruit that will remain. If you're desiring to learn more about why God is allowing infertility in your life and where he's calling you to be fruitful, this letter is for you. Today, I am so excited to welcome Mary Bruno to the Letters to Women podcast. She is a wife to Chris, an adoptive mom to Isabella. Infertility has rocked her world and renewed her faith, causing her to stumble into some unexpected yet thrilling roles like Catholic speaker and rapper, Creighton model practitioner intern, podcaster, blogger, one half of a marriage prep mentor couple, and a woman's health warrior. Mary, welcome to Letters to Women. It's so good to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. So today we're going to be talking about infertility, fruitfulness, and discerning where the Lord is asking you to be fruitful in your life and in your marriage. But to start us out, Mary, can you tell us a little bit about your story as a Catholic woman and your personal journey with infertility? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I was raised a Catholic. Uh, with I have devout Catholic parents. That really established a really good foundation for me, which I still have today. I've, I've always just really appreciated and loved the Catholic faith in and of itself. Um, so I'm really grateful for that. And so my faith has been woven into my life really since I was a child because of that foundation that my parents gave us, and me and my siblings. And so my parents worked with youth groups as I was in high school. So I did a lot of life teen in high school. And then as I got older, I became a core member, a core team member, went to many Steubenville conferences, which I know a lot of people love and has been definitely the source of a lot of my small conversions over the years. I eventually became a youth minister, but only for about two years uh, until I graduated college, and I became a licensed physical therapist assistant uh, for about six years until we adopted our daughter. We were married for, I mean, I'm sorry, we got married after I had been a PTA for about two years. And going into marriage, we knew that we may have some, some trouble getting pregnant. I was kind of naive about it, but when I started my period about 12 or 13 years old, it was just very painful from the beginning. I actually had pain before I had my first cycle, which is kind of interesting, I think. And then as I got older, they just became heavier and more painful. It wasn't until I was about 25 years old that I finally got diagnosed with endometriosis. And that's likely the cause of my infertility. But it took so long to get that diagnosis. A lot of the damage had already been done. So I had two surgeries before marriage, and then I've had about two to three more surgeries every two years since then. So I'm kind of still going through it, trying to manage it. Um, it's been a real challenge, but I've also found it over time to be a great blessing, which is kind of what we're talking about today. 
I've been reading a little bit more about endometriosis this past couple of weeks and just talking about how long it usually takes for a woman to get that diagnosis. I think the average was eight, eight to 10 years. And just in terms of women's health, that is just staggering and heartbreaking. It's, it is. It's unbelievable. For me, it was around 12 years, but for that to be the norm, I mean, it's, I find it to be unacceptable, you know, to women's health these days that it takes so long. 100% absolutely an issue mm-hmm. that I think needs needs looking at so much and just how much the medical world in some ways normalizes this idea like it's normal for you to have pain it's normal for this to be unmanageable so that's crazy for women who are listening and they're struggling with infertility hearing the words be fruitful and multiply can feel like a sting I know when when I was experiencing secondary infertility we would go to all these catholic weddings and we loved these couples but every time that they came to the marriage blessing where those words were spoken by the priest over the couple it was just like a knife oh lord oh my god is my marriage so unfruitful like am i a failure and i love what you've written about how fruitfulness plays into um, our lives in the experience of infertility why why is being fruitful so so much more than how many kids we can or can't have. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised it took me so long to make that connection, you know, like to realize that's one of the reasons infertility hit me so hard is because growing up in this Catholic culture, it's just kind of ingrained to you, be fruitful, multiply, you know, Um, you just, that's just what we do. Like whether it's said directly or indirectly, whether it's at home or church, at school, like it's just, just the the underlying tone right and obviously there's really good reason for that like the catholic church does a beautiful does a beautiful job of focusing on the beauty of new life and for good reason but i think i find often there's unintentionally no balance right so uh, i was constant i mean most catholic women are surrounded by women who are constantly having children and talking about their children and even churches focus on activities for families mm-hmm. with children. Mm-hmm. So I just learned, we all, we all just kind of learn that's just what Catholics do. So when it's not hot happening for you, you tend to think like, what is wrong with me? And then you start to feel broken and worthless. And that's just not how God intended us for, you know, to live. So I think um, for me, a big turning point, obviously, like, I believe God is good, but that was put to the test, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that belief. So it took an act of the will eventually to just believe God is actually good. And I figured out he was not created. He hasn't created me to be less capable or less worthy than anybody else who can have children. If God is good, then we can't believe that internally, you know? And so if I was not able to conceive, like if he wasn't allowing that to happen, I knew there had to be a good reason, period. Like, and it's hard to internalize that. Again, it's just a matter of believing. And then I think often the feelings follow that once we can internalize that. And so what is he calling me and my husband to do? Like he was calling us to be fruitful in other ways. So so I was interested in answering that question. What was it? What is my purpose? And I just really started to search for that. And obviously populating the world is really important. Having children is really important. And uh, But the world needs more than just children. 
you know, like we just take it for granted. I think um, more than just parents shape children. We all shape the world in different and unique ways. And there are gifts that only I have. There's gifts that only you have too. Uh, motivations and purposes that only I have. And if, if I was just going to get kind of too caught up and focusing on my infertility, which is understandable for sure, but I needed to find purpose. And it was in understanding that God has given me so many unique gifts and talents and appreciating that and appreciating his goodness in that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I really like how you're speaking into this uniqueness of those gifts too, that not only, not only do you have gifts, you have gifts that are unique to you, that there is a mission that only you, Mary can live. And when you are being able to lean into that, maybe, yeah, you're right. It is is not the mission. Maybe it's not the mission you expected or the one you'd pick if we could pick. Right. But it's the one he's calling us to. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. And does and doesn't that make you feel kind of special? Like yes. God has put you on this earth to do something special that just you can do. Right. If you think about it and you kind of shift the focus, then I think we, we find peace and wisdom through that, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think too, especially in the story of, of infertility, it's it's helpful to view it through that lens because then you're able to take that identity, like you're able to find your identity in that, that you're God's beloved and that he has a plan for you. Because I think the temptation with infertility is so often to make that our identity. I'm infertile. That's my identity. This is who I am. This isn't not only just this, this is just the cross I'm carrying or the cross I'm carrying. This is who I am like stamped in my core, stamped in my body. Right. And that's the hard part too, because it's like my my body is telling me this is who I am. I know. And we feel forgotten, yes. but to know that God has a special purpose for us, we feel so valued, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And for me, like my infertility makes me special. It's made me better. So now I can be grateful for it, mm-hmm. you know? Right, right. I like to, as you speak into this unique gift, the, the live comparison, I think is something that I know I have struggled with when it comes to that infertility and knowing that the fruit of my marriage or the fruit even of who I am as a woman is going to look very different from the unique mm-hmm. fruit of a friend's marriage or another family member's marriage. Yeah. When we're navigating these seasons, how can we resist that temptation to to compare our stories and our fruits to those of the stories around us? Well, first of all, I've been really bad at this. <laughs> Join the club. <laughs> this, I also suck yeah, at this. Yeah, right? Like this... this... <laughs> Right. This has been one of the biggest struggles, I think, for me. Like I've, like I said, I've, I've come to be grateful, but it's still really hard when I find, when I'm just look or open my eyes around me because there's so many people that are doing this thing that I have had such a great desire to do. So it's been a big struggle, but, but I've learned to actually really love myself and what it has, what it has helped me uh, to become. Loving myself for exactly who I am and why God created me. And so it's, it's basically focusing on what I do have versus what I don't have and what I have to offer, because it it goes both ways. These women and couples who are so beautifully fertile and able to have children in that way, they don't have the gifts that I have, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think it's, it's actually a blessing to be able to recognize that. Well, like comparing is something that we all do, like whether it's, fertility or infertility, whether it's finances, jobs, 
um, opportunities. Like it go, there, there are ways that we all compare ourselves to each other. But again, God has made me, Mary, to contribute to the world in ways that only I can. And that is pretty awesome. Um, at the end of the day, God has made us a certain way. And I think gratitude plays a really big role in that. After Chris and I had only been married for about five years, we knew we were infertile, obviously, at that point. And again, like he showed me and both of us, like how we, because we're fruitful as individuals and as a couple, like there's no limit to what God can do when we allow him. So we actually got asked by some friends of ours who were getting married to be their marriage prep mentors. And it wasn't something that we thought of previously, but obviously like God brought this question into our lives. So we took it to prayer and discerned it. And then we realized like, this is one of the ways, one of the many ways God was calling us to be fruitful in our marriage as marriage prep mentors. And so I just thought it was so cool. And obviously like there are, are many um, couples or parents that have many children are, are marriage prep mentors, and that's a beautiful thing. Uh, but we also have a little bit more time, you know, that we can devote to that. And I love being able to offer this the valuable experiences we have we have had of suffering to our couples for early marriage. Uh, I think that's a unique thing that we can add to their experience, talk a little bit about infertility, about the suffering that we experienced early in our marriage and how much closer it brought us together, just this whole journey of infertility, whether it was physical with pain or with surgery or emotional. It's so valuable that we can give that to couples. So that's been really helpful for us. I think that perspective is so unique and needed and beautiful in marriage prep yeah. because I think, especially in our like the Catholic culture, we spoken into this in the beginning of the episode. How it's almost an assumption: you'll get married, you'll have kids. It'll just this will be how it yeah. is, and there really isn't yeah. a lot of space in the marriage prep prep that I've experienced, both on the learning side and the teaching side. There isn't much that speaks into we're you may that may not be the case for you how are you going to navigate that as a couple and like being able to speak into that as you as your marriage experience and being able to say this is something that you may encounter and to be able to prep them for that is so necessary yeah I just with somebody like obviously I had the diagnosis Mm -hmm. I knew I knew that we just because scientifically speaking like we had we we could have been infertile, but I still didn't believe it, Chloe. Like it was so weird. I was like, Oh, I'll be fine. And had I had someone telling us you actually might not get pregnant because a lot of people don't have the issues that we had and are still, still struggle with infertility. So going into it, knowing that like, that's a possibility, like let's have a plan. I think speaking into that earlier also gives them another option uh, about women's health. And like most of them only know of IVF. Mm versus we have better alternatives Mm -hmm. but they don't know that unless they're given that information so it's just helpful on many different levels what you're speaking into with your role as a marriage prep um, couple really also speaks into this idea of spiritual parenting how we're all called to be parents you write about this really beautifully how all men are called to be fathers all women are called to be mothers um, can you speak more into that? What does that spiritual parenting yeah. look practically like in our daily lives? And for, for couples who are infertile, absolutely. But how this applies to everybody, regardless of, of where their fertility is. 
That's a really good question. I, I had such a great desire to be a mother as I was a child, like most women do. Yeah. Um, but but I, I perceived it looking one way. Again, so when that doesn't happen in the way that you expect it to, you can get really hurt and damaged by that. So eventually when I realized I was always capable of this and actually already really living that out, I just didn't realize it. And just realizing the opportunity to live it out even more. So when we look at what it actually means to mother, what does a mother do? She nurtures, she heals, she comforts. She advocates for others. She serves. She's creative. She creates. I mean, like the list, we could go on for days. And that's just the beauty of God's creation and how he's created us. But but to look at Mother Teresa, I mean, we literally call her Mother Teresa, and she never had any children. How fruitful was Mother Teresa, you know? Um, we call priests father. And priests don't have children, like at least biological children, but they have all of these children in their parishes. So it's just crazy, I think, how we've kind of lost sight of this idea of spiritual parenthood. Think about single women. Some women are called to the single life, but also as we're, I mean, all of us, I mean, none of us get married, you know, so young or too early, right? Like some of us get married young, obviously, but we have this this whole life that we have an opportunity to be fruitful for before we're married and having kids. And so we need to consider that too. Uh, something else I actually just thought of today was Jesus Christ himself had no children, yeah. no biological children. So, I mean, if we want an example, ladies, of what it looks like to be fruitful, I mean, you don't have to look very far <laughs> in the Catholic Church. And one day I actually looked up in the dictionary the meaning of the word fertile. It literally means just capable of producing fruit. Oh That's it capable of producing fruit. So I want to say it again, because I want people to understand God has created us to be used in different ways. If we all, if we all were used in the same way, like that would be boring, honestly, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? And the funny thing is too, is that we can, a woman can have many kids and really not be very fruitful. And a woman can have no kids and be incredibly fruitful. So it's not so much about uh, what we're able to do biologically, but our choice and what we decide to do and what to make of it. And that's the beauty of the of the woman, the feminine genius, right? Yes. Amen. Yeah. And that choice and trust too, right? Like we have this, like we can say, yes, I'm, I'm choosing in this circumstance that the Lord has allowed. I love how you use that phrase before. Like infertility is something that God allows. And it's easy to say like, no, like this is not, this is a curse. This is something where I'm defective. But then to to think of it, no, this is something that God is allowing in my life and it's for a purpose. And that, that can be transformative. I love, I love how you said that. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. In a journey of infertility, some Catholic couples can embrace this fruitfulness that doesn't look like what they expected. And that is a hard step and a good step. Uh, But those around them, like friends and family members, may also be struggling with what their their loved one's family looks like, because it may not look like how they expected it to either. Mm -hmm. How can, do you have any advice for couples navigating those conversations, both with grace, but also as a witness to the beauty that fruit is unique to a marriage and that unique, unique fruit that comes for couples who are experiencing infertility? 
Yeah, well, first, I think just acknowledging that it's hard. Like, this is a hard road to walk. Mm-hmm. And and we see, like, Christ sees you. Like, it, it, I think that's just the first thing to do is just to recognize that this is a struggle, a valid struggle. Those feelings are real. Um, I've personally always been pretty open with my struggle, whether it was through writing or public speaking. So there haven't been too many questions for my family to ask because it's all pretty much out there. And luckily we have a very supportive family, but that's not to say we haven't had challenges, but um, it's really helped for me to see it as an opportunity to evangelize by example. I think about the beauty of suffering and hope and just living our lives, not that we're saying this, directly, but living in our lives in a way that says, like, look at what I've become and the amazing things that that we have been able to do together and individually through our suffering. So, suffering has been such a blessing in my life in so many ways. And I think you hear a lot of people say that, that, uh, you know, I've learned so much through my suffering. Look at the joy of Christ through me even though I'm experiencing these challenging things, even though what I wanted or asked for specifically hasn't happened. We have a really great opportunity in the way that we live and are grateful. That's a powerful witness. Um, So I think that, you know, just, just trying to be that person uh, can definitely help. Conversations are hard, um, but how we live speaks, I think a lot, but I do also want to add for like, for any couples listening um, who uh, who are who know somebody, I think that you know to, to those who are on the other side and are fertile and want to know how they can support their infertile brothers and sisters. I just love to say like support them as people. Mm-hmm. Like if they have hobbies or specific interests or ministries, take an interest in that. Like my ministries have become my babies. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. so. That and that's what God that's how again, that's how God has called me to be fruitful. So if you take an interest in that, ask me about it, show your support, encourage us to grow in our own gifts. I think that that's a really beautiful way and it really connects us. So that's that's what I would say. The beauty of wounds and, and things that seem broken actually being the gift or the fruit of something or the witness mm-hmm. of of those is really beautiful it just reminds me we're in the easter season how christ appears to his apostles after the resurrection and he 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 shows them his wounds um and because that's the fruit the fruit of it and just remembering too i i love that reminder to not only discern the fruit in your own life where is the lord calling you to be fruitful but also to be able to sit in in awe of the fruit in other people's lives too what what a blessing that is to them and yes i have yeah, I've had um, I have a lot of friends with so many children, right? And one of my closest friends has five children, and so we chat a lot about this. And she's been a real a good source of um, encouragement for me. But I recognize it goes both ways. So now that she has five children, she's like, I feel like like God is calling me to something more. And so it has gone both ways. And I've encouraged her, like she's a great artist. And so I'm like draw some more, you know, get back to your painting. God has called you to be fruitful in this way, in addition to being an awesome mother to all your children. So for couples experiencing infertility, do you have any advice for what that discernment looks like of that unique gift? If they have that unique, they have a unique calling, how do they discern where and how God is asking them to be fruitful? Yeah. 
Well, I personally was on a mission, like, to find my purpose. I use that P word a lot, but I remember one specific, and this took time to get here, of course, but I was taking a shower one day. I don't know why, like, so many great moments of revelation come from the shower, but it was, like, just another day where I was like, okay, clearly, Lord, you have not called me to be pregnant, at least at this point, but I need purpose. Like, please use me. So I've pleaded with God, use me. And give me that purpose. So over time, the more I was able to accept this and choose God, the more I saw him doing things in my life. And I think it was just a matter of looking, looking at that and paying more attention because he was already cultivating these awesome things about, with, that had to do with my interests and my gifts and my passion. And there were doors opening in my life that were only happening because of infertility. So I just pursued what was right in front of me. And um, I think that's what you're talking about is that discernment and take and asking God that question, like, and looking, what are the, what are the things that are happening in my life because I am infertile? Mm. So specifically for us now was adoption. Now, not every infertile couple, I don't believe is, is called to adopt necessarily, but it will, for, we, we were uh, just personally. And so um, that was first and foremost. So we, we started that process, but before we even met our perfect little girl, Bella, I started this outreach or ministry that I became extreme. I still am extremely passionate about. It's about four or five years old now, uh, taking back the terms. And so here I had this experience with infertility that was likely a direct result of being diagnosed so late, right? We talked earlier about that gap in women's health education. So I kind of took on this challenge to help give women access to better health care, like NAPRO technology, more efficiently so that fewer would have to experience what I did. And then also to give women a better and healthier option uh, to birth control other than birth control. So that's just an example, but it, it breathes so much life into me. So I think it's a matter of trusting in God, even though we don't understand what the heck is going on and just give him a chance to show us and openness. I mean, it's, it's, it's not easy for sure, but just a matter of openness. There is something that God is, is leading us to do um, because of our infertility. Like, what is that? And just taking that to him and he wants you to find that. Like he desires us to have so much goodness. He'll show us. He'll show you. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a prayer. He's going to say no to Lord. Show me where you want me to live on mission and be fruitful. No, not today. Yeah. That's not going to be the For answer sure. he's going to give you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's shifting that conversation again, right? Because it's easy in, in seasons of infertility, regardless of how that season ends, whether it ends with a child through by, by biologically through adoption, or it doesn't end with children in your family at all. I think it's easy to think of what you don't have. What can I not do because I don't have kids, but to instead shift that to what am I able to do because, because I am experiencing infertility. That's that's empowering. That's a completely Absolutely. different way of looking at it. So well said. Mm-hmm. That's so good. 
Mary, so on Letters to Women, we explore what it means to live out the feminine genius. So it's not just this vague buzzword that we throw around, but it has an impact in our daily and ordinary lives as a Catholic woman. So one of the last questions that I ask the women who come on and share their stories on this podcast is, is this one. Mary, how do you live out the feminine genius, especially as a woman who is striving to bear fruit in her daily life and in her marriage? Yeah, I think women just in general, we have this beautiful gift of empathy and having experienced such suffering, uh, both physically and emotionally, it has just really helped me to be more empathetic to other women. And that's the greatest thing. I love that about my ministry, just being able to serve other women in those ways and and really reach their heart at a time when they're suffering. And I, I just think that's such a beautiful, obviously men are empathetic too, but I think we just have, again, this unique ability to nurture and to comfort. And I love that I'm able to do that, even though I'm not able to have biological children. And I love, I think it was St. Therese who says, do small things with great love. Um, and so I just love that quote. And I think we can change the world when we love in our own homes and serving others. We don't have to be doing big things, but just these little ways of mothering, whether we have biological children or not, we can do those small things by loving our family and uh, the people around us daily. Mary, thanks so much for coming on today and sharing your story. This has been a beautiful conversation that I have loved. If listeners want to find you online and explore your writing um, and your ministries, where can they find you? Yes. First of all, thank you so much for inviting me. Um, But you can find me at marygbruno.com. And that kind of lists everywhere where I have my blog, my podcast, um, on social media, I was taking back the terms as well. But there's links on my website to everything that I do. Wonderful. Thanks again so much for a wonderful conversation. And yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Letters to Women. If you head over to my blog, oldfashionedgirlblog.com, you can find the show notes for this week's episode, which include uh, the links to Mary's website where you can find her social media links, her blog posts, her podcast episodes, and more. If you're not subscribed to Letters to Women, uh, you can do so in iTunes. You don't want to miss any of the upcoming episodes, and you can find links to subscribe in the show notes as well. That's all I have for today's episode. So until next time, be not afraid.